the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. We have two people representing the opposite today. We have the always lovely Ramon B. Your normal opposite. That's and what Alex I'm... Watson. There he is. From Pleasanton, California. Famous fearless agent coaching student, Alex Watson. How are you, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Now, he made the mistake of calling while we were doing the podcast, so he gets to be the latest victim, I mean, volunteer to be on the show. So thank you, Alex, for volunteering. No problem. My pleasure. Now, you called with a question. I certainly have one. Let's hear well, it. Uh, oh, wait a minute. we got to do the headlines of the day. Okay. Now, this is used, this is used material. Mm-hmm. Use material that Alex has already heard on the coaching call. We also, on the actual coaching calls, do the – so many couples – I don't know if you know this. Many couples are using a professional baby namer to name their newborn. Have you no, heard about I this trend? I not. That's weird. Yeah. Now, remember when you were in high school and they had the career day and you were thinking – I was thinking about being a veterinarian. What were you thinking about being? Um, a radio guy. Is that right? Yeah. I'm still, and then we and then we walked, then we walked by that professional baby namer booth that we thought, well, maybe not. <laughs> okay, that didn't happen. Alex, what do you got? All right, my friend. As a famous person once said, when the person says yes, that's when the problems begin. Oh boy, isn't that the truth? <laughs> you don't have to worry how to handle the nose. Your problems don't even begin until they say yes. Yeah, that's for sure. So anyway, Bob, I was doing my uh, telemarketing, calling for prospects, oh, yeah. and I found a lady that said yes. Uh-huh. Now, the problem began. Everything looked wonderful until she told me that she has a daycare business. She runs a daycare oh, business. Oh, yeah. In the property. Out of her home. In mm-hmm. the property. Out of her home. Yeah. So I can't begin to determine the value of her home. Well, no, the, the home, we know the value of. It's the business we wouldn't know the value of. Okay. All right. Well, how do I approach this this challenge, this do you, opportunity? Do you know of a business broker in your town, Pleasanton, do. California? Do you? You I know, do. I do. Uh, I do. for those tuning in, do, do people ever tune in and listen to this? They uh, download. <laughs> they download. Is that, yes. is that what they do? Yes. There are you can still call it tune in if you want. There were people in Canada that thought Sergio was famous, so I guess people are listening. But but if you were a, a, a tuner inner, as I like to call them, is that the way they say it? The radio biz, tuner no, no, not a never. Not They've never close. said that. Actually. Not even close. So uh, 
if you if there are usually in in a town uh Phoenix is the sixth largest market in the nation and there are probably about 10 business brokers that really do all the business so it's not very it's not a very common job there are very few business brokers uh you know like there's a lot of houses uh but there's not that many businesses certainly businesses that are saleable you know so uh, and and what they normally are selling is bars and uh you know hair salons and you know that kind of and the, and this thing the uh, the um it's a daycare. daycare center so it's for young children not for old people correct so, yes. well, I mean, elder care center, that's another big, it's a much bigger business these days, actually, since you and I are getting old, right, Alex? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Alex and I are both extremely immature, so we don't act our age. That keeps you young. So uh, I would call the business broker and ask him what the business is worth by itself with no real estate attached to it and just see what they okay. say. What's okay. the what's All the right. price you ascertained was correct on the house? It's probably going to be about one point two five. I haven't looked that closely, but it's going to be about one one point two five. So there is no five. When you get above a million, it's either one point two or one point three. Which would you pick? One point two. That's right. That was a quiz to see if he just picked one point three. I'd go. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go. So one point two, and then, uh, do you know what the what the monthly revenue is from the daycare? I do not. I was going to wait for the appointment to get that information. Yeah. So that's you. You want to know what the gross revenue is, mm-hmm. and then after expenses, what she paid taxable income. That's after write offs and everything. What was her taxable income on the daycare business last year? Okay, that's a question I'll ask. And it's also possible that the business isn't worth anything. That's quite possible. And and f- especially compared to the value of the property. Mm-hmm. Once you're talking in millions, a daycare business uh, run out of a house. There were, A bigger daycare thing might be worth a lot of money, but that – how many kids are there, and how many square footage is the whole house? It couldn't be very big at one point two. Yeah, it's uh, roughly two thousand square feet. Well, that's 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 a fairly good size house. So, uh, but I mean, there's only so many kids you can pack in there per day. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to imagine that would be worth a whole lot. But they might be uh, overcharging a lot, and you know that might work. So mm-hmm. now, do hey, you Bob, have? Can I get? Of course. Can I get uh, two questions in? I need you to because we need to kill time here on the podcast, you know. (laughs) You can have 100 questions. All right. Well, this is quick. Um, No, don't do them quick. Do them long and drawn. (laughs) We're doing that (laughs) stretching motion like we're pulling taffy that they do in the the business. Stretch. Stretch. All right. All right. So I've got another prospect that I call that investor. And he's in the process of selling his home. And so... Homes? This one property. Home, okay. It's in Pleasanton, his mm-hmm. home. And so uh, there are a few questions that you can ask to, you know, make you seem pretty savvy and, you know, that you've dealt with other investors before. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned that before. 
How do you set that conversation up? Well, first of all, when you're dealing with a normal seller who is an owner-occupant of the house, your question would be, mm-hmm. where are you moving to? Correct. And then you'd say, are you going to rent? Are you going to buy? Is it going to be a condo or a house? Is it going to be bigger, smaller, more expensive, less expensive? And we're looking for the money problem. But when they – so they'd be moving and their equity would be moving with them. In this case, if it's a uh, vacation home or a rental that they're not living in, uh, it is an inve- – even a vacation home really is an investment because it might be a bad one, but you're not living in it. So anything that you're not living in would be an investment technically, whether it's bad or good. So this is a rental, correct? Correct. And what is it? House? A single family. Yes, a single family home. Okay. And uh, what what price range is it in roughly? This this would be 1.4, 1.5. And, and then what year was it built? Uh, 55, I think it was. And that could be a one bathroom. Is there, it's probably had crappy room additions since then, probably, right? Correct. So it has two bathrooms now, but it's in a one bathroom neighborhood, maybe. In 1955 is a hard year. In 1953, every house in America had only one bathroom. In 19, 19- 58, every house in America that was built in 1958 had two. And then there's that little, in 57, they always had two. In 56, they mostly had two. In 55, they sometimes had one, sometimes had two. So if if they're, if you're looking at a neighborhood, uh, the one-bathroom neighborhoods that were built in 1953, 54, you know, or previously, there's a word for that. It's called the hood. Am I right, Alex? <laughs> and, uh, you got to say it right, don't I? Do I say it right? That's right. The, the hood. hood. The hood. <laughs> the whole neighborhood's kind of crappy. So when you're doing the – even if they've added a bathroom, you're still in that crappy hood neighborhood kind of. And I grew up in the hood. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. So my house that I grew up in was a 900-square-foot, you know, three-bedroom, one-bath house that we can see from where I'm sitting high atop the luxury radio station here. Uh, but when you, when you sell that property, Mr. Investor, uh, – what are you going to do with the money? You're either you're either going to spend it or you're going to invest it. Now, spending means you're going to uh, take a vacation. You're going to go to Vegas and blow it on gambling. You're going to buy a depreciating asset like a car uh, or something like that. And if you invest it, it means one of three things. You are either going to uh, pay down existing debt – or you are going to uh, buy a mutual fund, or you are going to buy other much higher performing real estate. So what are you going to do, spend or invest? Now, by asking that question that way, you've proven that you know what they're going to do with the money. If you didn't know what you were doing in real estate, you wouldn't ask that question that way. So he's He's you're, you know, and your and your job is to help him think it through. So he's going, uh, yeah, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invest it, and I'm going to buy a mutual fund. 
How did Alex know that? Because Alex knows everything about real estate and investing and investors because he's a fearless agent. So it just makes you look smart. Now, so what are you going to do, spend it or invest? So if he says – he, we're hoping he's going to say, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but I'm going to invest it, but uh, I would consider other higher-performing real estate. What have you got in mind? You know, he might say that. So the other questions that you have to ask are what year did you buy it? Uh, what did you pay? Uh, do you owe any money on it? Have you ever refinanced against it? Uh, and what? And then ask the million-dollar question. What do you think it would sell for roughly today? So um, th- there's there's a little thing that the IRS does where. Uh, Let's say he paid – do you know when he bought it, by the way? I do not. Let's say he bought it uh, 15 years ago. What would he have paid? What do you think? Probably – I'd say 654. Yeah, maybe 400. Okay. So the difference between one point – so it's a million dollars in capital gains roughly. Right. So now, let's say he borrowed against it, okay? So he'd owe taxes on the gain, which is $1 million, which is quite a, quite a lot of money. So if he was going to sell it and buy a mutual fund or if he was going to sell it and, and pay down existing debts with the proceeds or sell it and, and you know go to Vegas or a vacation or something, then he would owe the capital gains taxes. But if he's borrowed against it, and blown that money, he doesn't have the money to pay the capital gains taxes. So that's why you always have to ask those questions. What did you What did you do with the money? Now, if let's say he has borrowed against it, and he wouldn't have enough money to pay the the capital gains taxes, then he would need to do a ten thirty one tax free exchange to avoid paying the capital gains taxes that he does not have the money with which to pay. Right. Mm, right. So all again, the questions are: What year did you buy it? Oh, I forget. I forgot. How much does it rent for? Not that that matters, but I'm just curious. So, for example, if it was grossly under rented, which is pretty common actually, which is not horrible, but it's a good way to keep the tenant there. Um, but it, I just want to know everything. And then, do you own any other rental properties? So. So what year did you buy it? What did you pay? How much is the rent you, you're collecting per month? Are they behind on rent or are they paying? Uh, what do you think it would sell for today, roughly? Have you ever borrowed any money against it? What did you do with the money that you borrowed against it? That's a key question. And then uh, let's think. So if I know that, if I know and, – and just by asking those questions, it makes you sound smarter. So let's say he did something embarrassing. He borrowed against it, blew the money on something stupid, and he admits that, OK? It's almost a guarantee you're going to get the listing. 
If some if somebody I call that the elephant in the room. When somebody has done something dumb, always ask them about it. Where did that money go? You borrowed against it. Where in the heck did that money go? You 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 spent that money on something. What was it? If you get them to admit that it was, oh, I had a gambling problem, or oh, I spent it on something stupid, or I, you know, whatever. That if it's embarrassing. They won't ever want to admit that to another agent. You guarantee that you get the listing. Once they come clean with you, they don't want to keep telling that embarrassing story to other people. You're the only – then it's out in the open. You go, oh, OK. Well, that happens. you know. And then, you, and then you proceed from there. So always attack the elephant in the room in sales is a, is a good rule of thumb. OK. What other questions do you have, Alex? Uh, you know, today, that is it. Now, we've been talking about the fearless agent pricing uh, awarenesses, you know, and stuff like that. But you are, um, uh, you know, I've I've referred personal business to you because you're such an accomplished uh, fearless agent coaching student of mine in your in your town. And the people I referred to you were insanely happy with the job you did. Uh so for that reason, I think it's time for a shameless plug. Time for Bob Leffler's shameless plug. Let's say you happen to know somebody who's moving to Pleasanton, California. Name the other Oakland is in your uh, sphere there. Oakland, Fre- Fremont, Dublin, Livermore. Okay. Do you know who Fremont was named after? Yeah, the guy by the his. I think his last name was Fremont. <laughs> we'll get to that. Obviously, Alex is a genius, so you're going to want to refer. <laughs> you're going to refer business to Alex Watson at nine two five four three seven four two zero four. John C. Fremont was the explorer, trailblazer that Fremont, California, was named after. And uh, as a side note, he was the first governor of Arizona. Oh, okay. And if you go to Prescott, Arizona, which is about, oh, I don't know, about about an hour north of here, it's cooler, number one, but there's a log cabin that was the governor's mansion. And John C. Fremont lived there. So, see, we're, we're like next door neighbors, Alex. All right. Yeah. There's also Fremont... Nebraska, which is also named after John C. Fremont. So he's the guy got around. That's all I'm saying. Got around quite a bit. So was Fremont Street in Vegas named after him as well? Do you know, I would bet yes. Why not? I'm going to, well, let's lie and say yes. Sure. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that could be. Could I never, be. I never thought of that. I'm sure he's ashamed if he's ever been. If he came back, if he came back to life and goes, this is what they're doing in my name. Oh my lord! This podcast is extremely educational. Uh, you, I, I'm you a font so of useless trivia. That you are. That's true. I don't know why that is, but uh, it is. So, Alex, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the on the call today. Now, we um, by the way, if any of the stuff that we talk about makes sense to you, and you're earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, and you're open to the idea of having some help, do what Alex did. Alex, what would you if somebody's considering fearless agent coaching? What would you tell them? I would tell them they would be crazy not to uh, try it at least for ninety days because 
it will absolutely change your life. I would say 90 years, but a 90, 90 year trial period is a good time to, a good way to figure out if fearless agent is a good choice for you. So, and by the way, if you're a fearless, if you're a, uh, a real estate company owner and you happen to be recruiting fewer agents than you wish you were, you can call us about that also at 480-385. And go to fearlessagentrecruiting.com. Watch my recruiting video there. That will help you recruit for sure. And then schedule a time to meet with me about that. So, um, so we've been talking about pricing and some of the uh, – uh, in fact, we we did this a little bit with you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So if uh, everybody that's in your price range, so we we talked about a 1.2 house and a 1.4 house. So if you draw a horizontal line, that would be left to right for those of you scoring at home, with some little like railroad tie hashtags across, spaced out across, like say one, two, three, four, five, and put one point on one of the little hash marks. Let's put one point two below it. We're guessing 1.2 is fair market value. Okay. And then above that would be 1.3 and above that would be 1.4 and below that would be 1.1. And then we'd have uh, 900 below that or 1 million, excuse me, 1 million. And then below that we'd have 900. So one of the uh, in the in the fearless agent pricing presentation, one of the undeniable truths is that uh, you get more. There's a there's a group of buyers for your uh, that first one we were talking about the the lady with the uh, daycare. We'll call her the crazy lady because she's got kids in her house. That makes you crazy, right? So <laughs> if one point two is what our guess at fair market value between 1.1 and 1.2 any any agents searching for a buyer in that price range there's some people in there there maybe there's 5 above 1.2 maybe there's 0 below 1.1 maybe there's 35 below 1 million maybe there's 135 and you get down to $1 and of course everybody's there so the moral of the story is think how people search the MLS. No one, like you said, you thought 1.25. Well, no one thinks in fractions when you get above uh, 100. No one, you know, below, below like 925, no one searches 925 and below. Do people search 950 and below? Yeah, that happens. But when you get above 500, the 25s and the 75s become much less important. And when you get, you know, if you're at uh, below 300, you know, 275, of course, people search 275 and below. But people don't search 285 and below. They search 300 and below, 275 and below. You know, you got to think about how people access the MLS. So when you see somebody priced at 280. Well, they're giving away, you know, $20,000 of their seller's money and they're not getting any new buyers for it. So the people that are searching below 300 would see the 280, but the people that are searching 275 and below, which is only 5,000 less than 280, 
they're invisible to all those people. So always think of that when you're pricing your house, those little railroad tracks, I call them. But once you get above a million, there's only there's only 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. So always be priced on the even numbers. So, you know, you might be priced at 9.99.9 when you're below a million, but you don't do that premium pricing, gas pump pricing thing when you're above a million. Luxury pricing is what we call it. It might not be a luxury home. It certainly wouldn't be if it was a 1955 piece of crap in Oakland, right? That's for sure. Yeah, it's a crappy house that has a very high price on it, but the luxury pricing would be 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, 1.2. Always do it on the even numbers when you get above a million, and that that's going to make everything uh, better and easier. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to say thank you to all of you who joined us today. Once once again, I want to thank you. Please do visit us like Alex did one day. He called me up and said, let's do a complimentary coaching call. We did that, and then he signed up for coaching, and uh, and he's a satisfied customer. And if you want to send, again, referrals to Alex, uh, please, please do know that he will do a fantastic job. He sold my friend's house for way, way more than it was worth, netted them way, way more than they ever dreamed they would. And that's because they called 925-437-4204. And again, uh, you can go to fearlessagent.com, click on the banner at the top, click on the right hand, always subscribe to fearlessagent.tv. And if you're an owner of a real estate company, watch fearlessagentrecruiting.com. There's a video there, and you can always call me directly at 480-385-8810. Please do give us a five-star review of this podcast on whatever platform you're on. And until next week, Alex and I and Ramon, we always have fun. We always stay humble. But most of all, be fearless. Thanks, gang. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.